Thank you so much. Well, it is a great joy to be with you today. And by the way, if you can't read this link, it's church-redeemer.org slash arcpdf, church-redeemer.org slash arcpdf. And what that will do for you is it'll give you my primary points today. And But what I would encourage you to do, even though you can get that document, uh, if maybe if you can download it to a PDF sort of a, a reader that you can take notes on as well, or take your own notes and go back and reaffirm them. Because part of what, what I have learned as a student is that sometimes when you're taking notes, you will write, maybe you can't remember everything the speaker is saying, but it, but it sticks in your memory better. So, But it's really good to be with you. It's a joy to uh, share this time. Thank you for coming and being a part of this session. I do want to introduce my wife, who is here, and she ha- we have been married for several years, 42 to be exact, okay? So 42 years in May is our, is our uh, anniversary, and of course, two daughters, and uh, they're both married with our seven grandchildren, and that's the real joy, and, and that's, that's, the, that's God's reward for not killing your kids, okay? okay? <laughs> so, the times you really wanted to kill them, you're thankful you didn't, because now you have grandchildren. It's a blessing. We're in a great season of life in that regard. I have been in our church. This is our 33rd year. We planted in 1986, and uh, obviously planted before ARC existed, and um, of course, uh, it's a whole lot easier to do church planting with the assistance of all the resources that you have through ARC. So if you're a church planter or part of a church team, just really lean into all those resources because it really makes life a lot easier. It'll help you to avoid a lot of those mistakes that we have made through the years. Uh, the other people that you can learn from what they... It's, gr- it's better to have other people pay for your education, okay? And so you have it, you learn from their mistakes and they paid for it and you get to, the benefit of it. I want to talk today just for a little bit of time. We're also going to try to reserve some time at the end for some uh, question and answers. And uh, if you'll allow me to do so today, I want to talk to you. Uh, this this session is entitled uh, High Impact uh, Team Members. Okay, I want to talk about what it means to be a high impact team member. And really, I'm going to talk to you very much like I've often talked to our staff at our church. We have a tremendous, wonderful staff of people um, that uh, I have had the privilege of leading. And when I provide training sessions for them, uh, what I will be sharing with you is very much like I would be sharing with them. So I just want us to be home today, just like we're all, because we all are really on the same team together anyway. You're in different places, but we're all on the same team. And church doesn't exist without teams, okay? Yeah. Church is teamwork. Church involves doing things together and uh, understanding what your role is, your responsibilities are, and uh, connecting with that senior pastor that God has called you to connect with, and knowing that that God has placed you there with that person. So I believe that when you're in a church, it's not just a calling to a place, but it's a calling to a person, that you're connected with that person to help serve and help them fulfill the vision God has placed in their heart, and to to, to know how to do that well. And part of what I think is has been missing oftentimes in terms of uh, church life is that I don't, I'm not sure always that team members really understand how important they are. And if you're a team member on a, on a church staff today, and, I, and I'm sure that many of you are, uh, I want you to know that we as senior pastors cannot do what we do without you doing what you do, okay? You're very valuable, okay? And these are not, this is not in my notes, but I will say it this way. You can go to the book of uh, Exodus chapter 17, and when Moses, when, when the Malachites were, uh, were, were fighting against the Israelites, and Moses goes to the top of the mountain. Everybody remember that story? He goes to the top of the mountain, and God tells him to hold his arms up, right? And Joshua's down on the battlefield fighting. Fighting the battle, and uh, of course, at a period, there's a period of time when Moses just gets weary; his arms cannot hold up any longer. And then Aaron and Hur come alongside and hold his arms up. And uh, the, it, it's it's a a presentation of a principle in Scripture that for victory to happen, okay, there are three ministries that always have to be fulfilled. For any church man, you have to have a hands-up ministry. That's Moses. He had to have his hands up because victory would not happen without his hands up. And as senior leaders, we're called to keep our hands up with God and very vital. Then there's a hands-under ministry. That's Aaron and her. They were there holding up, hands under, supporting in a very strong way, and then hands-on ministry. That was Joshua down in the battlefield fighting the battle. And Joshua could not have, could not have victory had it not been for Moses on the mountaintop, and Moses couldn't have had victory, had it not been for Joshua down on the battlefield, and none of them could have had victory had it not been for Aaron and her holding the arms up. So if you're a, if you're, if you're a hands-under or a hands-on person today, don't you ever, ever let the devil tell you you're not important, okay? Because you are very important to God. You're very important to us as senior leaders. We cannot do what we do without you doing what you do. And so never underestimate the importance and the value of being hands-under and hands-on. 
home because that's really what that's what makes work the work of God happen. Uh, there's a verse of scripture I'm going to start with. It's in the book of First Timothy, chapter three, verse twelve. I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation, and uh, you you might recognize this verse. There's one one thing I want to pull out of it, and then we'll look at some some principles I think will help you today. As I said, hopefully be thinking about any questions you have, so we can have some time for that at the end. First <clears throat> Timothy chapter three, verse twelve. Those who do well as deacons, servants is another translation for that. Diakonos is the word in the Greek language. Those who do well as deacons, servants in the church will be rewarded with respect from others and will have increased confidence in their faith in Christ Jesus. Paul writes to Timothy, he says, Timothy, remember this, that those who do well as deacons, those who do well as servants in the church... Now, I don't think so much that Paul is talking about a title, okay? And I, I, in our church, we never emphasize titles because a lot of people get uh, over, um, uh, they, 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 once you give them a title, they stop doing their function, okay? Uh, and so uh, you only give titles to people that really are fulfilling function. And so title is, is really secondary because we need towels more than we need titles, amen, okay? Uh, Jesus reminds us, that's what a deacon does. A deacon doesn't look for a title, a deacon looks for a towel to wash feet, to do something with. And so here's a situation where Paul writes to Timothy and says, those who serve well in the church, those who serve well, notice he says those who serve, and he gives a very specific word, well, okay? You can serve but not serve well. There are a lot of people in churches that are serving. Oh, my goodness, they're serving, but they're not serving well, okay? They're not serving to their highest capacity and highest potential. And so our, our calling from God, whatever our calling is in church, is to make sure that we serve well. Because what do we hope to hear when we get to heaven? Well done, right? As I remind our team and our church from time to time, you're not going to hear well done unless you're done well, Okay. You can't just expect to hear well done without having done well. You've got to do something. There's certain things that you have to do well to actually hear well done. And so he reminds him, these are these guys, these people that are serving in the church and are serving well are going to be rewarded, and they're going to be rewarded with respect from others and also an increased faith and confidence in their relationship with God. And so when it comes to being what I'm calling today in this session a high-impact staff member, a high-impact team member, uh, what we what I'm really talking about is how do we really serve well, okay? Some of you will serve and support roles. Some of you will perhaps go on to other kinds of ministries as a part of your life. I don't know what, none of us know what God's calling is for us long-term over life. But wherever you are right now, it's extremely important, whatever role you're in right now, that you do it well, okay? Because your tomorrow is going to be determined what you're doing by what you're doing today, okay? If you do not do today well, tomorrow is not going to be very well, okay? Everything that happens in our life is predicated upon how we handle the moment. And the here and now is so important. We want to get there, but to get there, we have to deal with now, here, okay? And so I'm going to talk to you today about whatever role you're in. Um, I don't know to have different kind of ministries represented, but how can we do the best we can do and do it, do it well in this season that we're in in our life? And, you know, I think all of us recognize God knows how to handle the promotion, does he not? Okay? You don't have to promote yourself. I promise you if you'll do the things that I'm talking about today— I promise you this, on the authority of God's Word, if you'll just take the things I'm going to share about today and do them well, I promise you, I absolutely assure you, based on confidence of God's Word, that if you, that, that God will know how to promote you, okay? That promotion comes from just being the person that God wants you to be. If you'll be who you need to be and who God calls you to be, you'll end up doing everything God wants you to do, okay? Being with God always precedes doing, okay? It's never a doing first, it's always a being first, Okay? So let me share. I'm going to dive right in. I'm going to share with you 50. We may not get through all these. I'll give you as many as I can as we walk through these together. I'm going to try to give you 15 characteristics of a, of a, of a high-impact team member. Uh, this might be something that you may want to take back to your other team members that perhaps are not here and your church to share if you have the opportunity to do that in a situation to do so. Uh, the first thing that's necessary if you're going to be high-impact team members, you have to have integrity. We hear that word a lot, but let me talk to you about integrity. Sometimes we think about integrity in terms of, well, I don't lie, I don't cheat, I don't do this kind of thing, so I'm a person of integrity. No, not really, because being a, actually the word integrity is a word that means wholeness. It means as the idea is being one, unified, okay? Not being divided in the way you can compartmentalize in the way that you live your life. And so real integrity is not just about not stealing and not cheating and not doing bad things behind other people's back. It's, it's much, much more than that. Integrity is doing what you've agreed to do and being who you've agreed to be. Okay, 
I have integrity if I say to my brother here, this is what, I, here's my promise to you, okay? And I promise you that I'm going to uh, do this for you, and here's my commitment to you. If I deliver on my commitment, I am a man of integrity, right? If I do not deliver on my commitment, if I don't deliver on my promises, do I have integrity? No. So when you join a team, you join a team making a commitment, right? More than likely, you received a position description. You said, this is what we're expecting you to do. This is the job that you're being assigned. This is the lane that we want you to run in. And so to be a person of integrity means that you understand that if I don't fulfill that responsibility, what I've said that I'm going to do, then I can't. there's a certain dimension of my integrity that is missing. And so the key, the reason this is, I've listed as, as, as number one is because, first of all, you've got, you have to have integrity with God, okay? You got to have a strong relationship with God, but also you have to have integrity with those that are over you. Your senior pastor has to know, when I give this person a job, I know that they're going to do what they said they were going to do. If they make a commitment to me, they're going to deliver on their commitment, or at least do the best effort possible to deliver on their commitment. So the first thing that raises you to a higher level of functioning on a church team or staff is the ability for that senior pastor or whoever over you to be able to declare that person, I one thing I know about them. They may not, have, may not have the best skills in the world or the best capacities in the world, but one thing they have is we, we have the solid capacity to know that they are people of integrity because integrity is related to trust. Why do you trust God? Because you know God has he never promises anything that he doesn't deliver, right? So the first thing on a team is you've got to make sure that your pastor understands that you're, you're going to be a person of integrity in your relationship with God, a person of integrity when it comes to what you've committed yourself to do. I'll never get through all 15 if I take as much time on each one as this, okay? <laughs> Number two, it's simple. All these are simple. They're common sense kind of things, but we need, they're called the fundamentals. You've heard the story about Vince Lombardi when he would, he would uh, bring his team together. First thing he would do is, hey, gentlemen, this is a football, okay? And these are professional football players. He reminds them of the fundamentals. So sometimes the reason we get off track is because we don't remember the fundamentals. Number two, you need to give your absolute best. What I mean by that in this setting is that you've got to understand the dif difference between really engaging with your work and, 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 and disengagement. You've got to understand the difference between what I would call proactivity and passivity. I've noticed over the years, we had a number, number of different staff members throughout the years, and there's a difference between a person who is, is proactive and a person who is passive, okay? Your pastor didn't put you in a position to be passive. He put you in a position to be proactive within the boundaries that he set for you, okay? He sets a certain kind of boundary for you and says, this is the lane you're to run it. Now get in that lane and don't wait for me to have to answer every question for you and tell you everything you need to do. You need to be engaged in the process to give your very best. That means that you're studying about your position, whatever your position is. It means that you're developing friendships with people at other churches who are doing things better than you're doing them, okay? Uh, sometimes uh, we can be Intimidated by that? You should never be intimidated by someone who is doing something better than you, okay? Think of them as your best friend. It's been said, if you're the smartest person in the room, you need to get into another room, okay? And so that's one thing that I've always tried to do my whole life in ministry uh, of these 33 years in our church and prior to that as well, is to always be the person that says, what can I do to improve my skills? How can I continue to develop? Uh, and how can I find someone that's doing something better than I am? I was just talking to Mark over here a moment ago from Louisiana, and they do a phenomenal job in, in Louisiana with outreach ministries, and we're about to do some things or wanting to do some things in our church. And I said, Mark, I've got to come and learn from you. Why? Because he has an expertise that I don't have. And so that doesn't threaten me, that, that lifts me to another, to gives me, it helps us do it better together. So make sure that you're always giving your best. Number three, third thing is make sure that you're always punctual and you're always prepared. If it's a report that you've been given to do, if it's a meeting that you're to go to, uh, whatever it might be, always remember that if I'm going to be a great, ideal, tremendous team, team person, team member, then people, my, people's respect of me will be determined oftentimes by how punctual you are and how prepared you are. I'll tell our staff from time to time as they have volunteer meetings, don't ever show up late for a volunteer meeting. 
If you're leading that meeting, don't you ever show up late for that volunteer meeting because here's these people in our area. Uh, we're in the Washington, D.C. area, and traffic is horrendous. People go to leave for work in the morning at 5 o'clock, and they'll they'll drive uh, an hour or so for their commute in the morning, an hour or so their commute in the evening. They're getting back right directly from work and coming to a volunteer meeting, and that staff member shows up 10 minutes late to the volunteer meeting uh, where they've given everything, the volunteer's given everything to be there, and the, the staff member's not prepared, they haven't thought about how the meeting's to go, it's a lousy meeting, there's no agenda, there's no moving through the agenda in effective, productive ways. You and I need to be on a team. We need to value our volunteers because church runs by volunteers, amen? Okay? You, you just think for a moment, if all your volunteers resigned, what would happen to your church? Okay? So who are the most important people in your church? Your volunteers, okay? And so... The volunteers are not there to serve us. We're there to serve them. Amen? That's a big difference, see? And so if I know that, that, that I'm there to serve my volunteers, it means that, that if I'm on time, I'm late, okay? I have to be early to be on time, okay? I want to be the first person in the room. I want to make sure that the coffee's there, whatever's going to be there. That, that, that's how, I don't have to do it myself, but I have to make sure that's happened. And so that when people are walking through that room, I'm, I'm greeting them, I'm welcoming them. Uh, whatever the environment is, if a staff meeting, whatever, don't come in late. Make the decision. I'm going to be there early, uh, and make that a value of your life. It'll be good for you, not just in your in, in your ministry area, but it'll just be good for you in your life in general. It's a great thing to be always be punctual and to always be prepared because when you're not punctual, you're actually using somebody's time. Okay, I was in the doctor's office the other day, and you know doctor's offices. You know what that's like. It's like they think they have a license to make you wait. Okay. <laughs> It's like, that's why they call it the waiting room at the hospital, because you're going to wait a long time if you go to the hospital, okay? So that's not the kind of folks we want to be. One of the phrases that I use in our team from time to time is you will either uh, sweat in preparation or you will bleed in battle, okay? If you don't sweat in preparation, what's going to happen when the battle happens? You're going to bleed, okay? And so sweating in preparation is always preferential to bleeding in battle, Okay. Now, number four, here's the key. Be a problem solver and a, and a solution creator. A problem solver. You want to be a great team member? Be a problem solver. Be a solution creator. Don't be a problem creator. Don't be a problem reporter. So many staff members on a team, they, they, they feel it's their job to report the problems, okay? You weren't hired to be a part of a team to report problems. You were hired to be a part of the team to solve problems, right? Even because your pastor already knows more problems than you can imagine. I have people from time to time over the years, pastor, can I have an appointment with you? I want to talk to you about some of the problems I see in the church. I say, great, I'll give you my list as well, Okay. Okay. <laughs> And my list is always longer than their list, okay? Well, I see way more problems than they'll ever see, okay? So you, you got to realize that when you were brought on a team, God brought you on a team to be a problem solver, not to be somebody that's creating problems for the team, creating problems for your pastor, creating problems for your volunteers. You need to look at problems and say that now I, I, every, every problem is an opportunity, Okay, every problem that comes your way, if you're in children's ministry, you've got a problem with this parent, how can I, instead of running it up the flagpole to pastor, it has pastor going to deal with it, how, how can I solve this so it doesn't become something on his desk, okay? doesn't become something he has to take another hour out of his week to deal with because I came up with some creative solutions. Now, make sure that your creative solutions are in line with the vision and, and, the, and the boundaries that your pastor has given you. You don't want to run out of bounds, but you want to make sure that you're solving, you're adding that kind of value to the church Problems are really, problems are overstated. What I mean by they're very easy to create. It doesn't take much to create a problem, right? But it takes a whole lot to create solutions. And what you want to be is a solution creator. All right, number five, be practical in your ministry, not just conceptual or theoretical, or another word might be hypothetical in the way you deal with things. What I mean by that is this, you want to be very practical in things that you do. That's, you need to, when you're solving a problem, you need to come up with a plan of execution, okay? It's not just, uh, it's not just conceptually I understand the problem, but I'm, I know how to execute a plan to move us forward. Because I think at times I've seen staff members who have been caught in what I call the paralysis of analysis. And the paralysis of analysis, you're trying to figure things out, and you'll spend days and hours trying to figure something out. And finally say, just do something, Okay. 
figure out something and let's try it. Let's do something. Let's be practical because we want to move beyond just the heady stuff and talking about things. I've seen teams just sit around all day long just, oh, how do we want to do this? And it's like, just let's just do something, okay? Let's get rid of the paralysis of analysis. Let's get because the church church world moves fast. Does it not? Okay. Have you ever noticed that after Sunday's over, you wake up the next morning and it's Sunday again? Right? Heard it said like this. It's like every Sunday, it's like birthing a baby and then finding out Monday morning you're pregnant again. Okay? So, okay. Right? Right? That's kind of the way it feels. Is that right? Okay? You finish Sunday and the baby's been birthed. You go home and Monday morning, oh, I'm going to have another one of these in five days, six days. Okay? And so there's this constant 52 weeks out of the year that keep coming and coming again. And you, you never get a break from it because it's, it's happening on a weekly basis, all the ministry that happens in between. And so what we don't want, don't want to do is we don't, don't want to get caught in seasons, long extended seasons of the paralysis of analysis. Number six, practice leaning in. To lean in is to take the initiative and the responsibility to connect, to listen, to learn, to catch the spirit and the direction uh, of your organization, of your leadership, okay? I'll give you a moment to write some of that down. Leaning in, what does that mean? I'll give you an example from, our, from, from some of our staff. It happened just the other day. Uh, we have a creative team meeting once a month that uh, all the worship team and some of the tech team are a part of, and then we always have a time of worship there, and then somebody that will give a little devotions. And one of our team members gave the devotion that night, and my wife and I went just to be a part of the event that evening. And uh, the young man that spoke for us spoke that evening, uh, finished, did a great job. And the, one of the first things that he did after he shared his message and the groups broke up to do what they were going to do. He came over to me and said, Pastor, thank you for being here tonight. Is there anything that you'd like to tell me about how I share tonight that will help me to improve? That's called leaning in, okay? I didn't go to him. I didn't have to have the conversation. So I think I really need to talk to him about this. He gave me the permission to, to say anything that I needed to say to him that would help him grow. What? He was leaning in to say, I want to learn from you. So many staff members could benefit so much from the wisdom of their pastor. And your pastor, I know they're busy and they've got lots of things happening and, and different pastors have different personalities. I'll understand that. We need to value and honor their time. But most pastors that I know really appreciate a staff member to say, you know, it, can you help me? Did I do anything that, that, that I could do better? When I have people that speak on the weekend or do, do parts of the service, uh, oftentimes they'll say, Pastor, talk to me about how I did that. Anything you don't want me to say next time or things you'd like for me to say. This is the leaning in process. It's gaining wisdom. It's being the person that's going after it rather than waiting for your pastor to come to you. So if you go to them, it makes it a lot easier than them having to finally come to you and say, I need to talk to you about something. Got that? Got it? Got it. Good. It makes sense? Okay. Number seven. Be a collaborator rather than an independent operator. Collaborate ministry. You know, the best ideas happen in the context of other people, right? I don't have all the best answers, all the best ideas, nor do you. We need the collaboration of other people around us. And I think sometimes what happens in, in ministry is that uh, there's this there's this sort of isolation that people get into in their departments, and it's, it, they become territorial about their department, okay? And, and, and if, you start, if you start stepping into their department, you, you kind of get pushed back. Okay, this is my department, okay? No, we all are a team together. How I many you know that what happens with the children's ministry affects what's going on with the youth ministry, right? Okay? And what goes on with the youth ministry can affect what, what, in fact, impact what happens with the young adult ministry, right? We could walk through it, and what happens with the hosts on the weekend is going to make an impact on what's going on with the worship, right? So if they're bringing people in at the last minute, we're trying to worship, then we all are... T- so it's, it's, think of your body parts. Your body has to work together, okay? And there's this collaboration, and what you don't want to be in ministry, you don't want to create a, 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 your own sort of, uh, your own little tower, your own little, uh, your own territory. I, I remind our staff from time to time how animals mark their territory, right? 
And so when you start marking your territory, you're becoming more animalistic than humanist to human in your, the way that you approach things. It's really, and then, it, then your pastor has to come in and break things down and, and sometimes reassign people because you've just gotten too territorial. And it's just the unity is affected by this attitude. So you want to be a collaborator. Make it a, Think about it in your own life. How collaborative am I? Do I team up with my other departments in the church? Do they think of me as an ally for them? Do I, if I'm in the youth ministry, am I really promoting the children's ministry and vice versa, whatever it might be throughout your church, your church ministry? All right, number eight, keep your focus. Keep your focus. Keep your focus. Focus is what makes everything crystal clear, okay? It keeps you from making bad decisions. Focus is why are we doing what we're doing and then what are we doing, okay? It's the why before the what, okay? Focus is I know why I get up every day and go to that church office. I'm doing it because of the call of God in my life. I'm doing, I have a why that is driving me. And then your why, the why question is far more important than the what question, but the what question is important as well. Now, based upon that calling, what do I need to give myself to today? Because every day has an imp- needs to have an important focus for you. If you don't use a planner or something of that nature, I would really recommend that you get uh, something that you look at every day and think about what do I need to be based upon my why? Why am I here? Why did they give me this position in this church? Why, what are they expecting of me? Now, what will I do today that will move the ball down the field? Because I promise you, if you don't have a what to do every day and a clear sense of focus on the mission you've been given, you will not, you, you, you'll be just playing around the same sandlot all the time. You'll never move the ball down the field. To move the ball down the field, any athletes here, especially in football, you know, you got to have some plays, right? Okay. You have to have a playbook, okay? And so you, if you don't have a playbook, you're not going to advance the ball down the field. And so if you're in the youth ministry, what's on your playbook, okay? What are we doing to advance this thing down the field? How am I going to measure it? How am I going to know if we're moving the ball down the field, right? Because on a football field, it's very clear whether you got a first, first down or not, right? They have the chains that mark it, and they tell you, nope, you didn't get there yet, or yes, you did. And so they're markers or metrics. That's what the word metrics means. It's a marker that helps you to know, did we get there? And then you measure in our church every Every three months, we're measuring metrics. We have three months, three to six months goals that are out that all of our departments have, and then they're required to, on a consistent basis, provide us a report, and I tell them the report is not for us. The report is for you, okay? It's not for me. I'm going to read your report, okay? But the report is really not for me. When you look at your metrics, you need to be looking at your metrics for you because you're the person in that area of ministry, right? And if you'll look at that, it'll give you a lot of insight in terms of, wow, you know what? Over the last three months, we our, 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 our volunteer level, we had these number of volunteers here, and now we've got this number of volunteers. What's going on here? If you don't measure that, you're not going to see the trends, right? And so you got to measure it so you see the trends, and then once you see the trends. You have to come up with solutions and try them. And then you make you make only make adjustments with one or two things at a time. So you can know if that was what the issue would be. But you're, you're focusing and you're bringing your best. Use one of the greatest gifts God has given you, okay? God has given me is the gift called your brain, okay? Right? And it's, it's so sad sometimes that we, so many people go to work at other corporations and places and they're required to use their brain in their work. Then we get on a church staff. We never think really deeply about what we're doing, okay? So take some time to get focused, all right? How am I doing with time, by the way? 30 right we're 30 minutes right now, and I'm eight, eight points in, okay? Quickly, add the extra to the ordinary. If you add the extra to the ordinary, what do you have? Extraordinary, very simple, okay? So you're not going to settle for the first mile, always go to the second mile. Uh, the, the next one here, I, I'll spend a little bit of time on, then we'll cover the last ones very quickly for some, for, for some question and answer time. This is key. Be growth-minded, not maintenance-minded. Think and plan for growth. Don't think and plan. How can we maintain? Because if you maintain, the trajectory of anything that is maintained is always ne- is always down. If you're just in maintenance mode, it's going to always be a deteriorating process. One of the one of the parables that has come alive to me in the last probably ten years, I never saw it the same way before. And this, if you get this one thing today, it'll be worth the whole time for you being here. This will revolutionize some of your churches and some of your ministries right here. Jesus said, let me tell you a parable, Matthew 25. He said, there was this, this, this master that went out 
and gathered three of his servants and said, I'm going to be going away for a while and I'm going to leave some stuff with you guys to take care of. He said, hey, I'm going to give you five bags of gold and you two and you one and I'll see you later, okay? I'll be back, okay? But here you go. Nowhere in that parable does it indicate that the master gave any instructions to those three guys. Didn't tell them what to do. Didn't tell them really what was expected. He said, here's five for you. Here's two for you. Here's one for you, okay? And he goes away. He comes back, right? Remember the story, right? He comes back and, hey, guys, come on back. Tell me what you've been doing while I've been gone, okay? We, well, you know the story. The guy with five said, well, hey, I, I, I invested my five and I got ten. And this guy with two said, I invested mine. I've got four. And remember what the master said, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in a few things. I'll make you ruler over a minute. Enter, enter into the joy of your master. And the guy with one said, well, you know what? I, 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 you, I, was, I was afraid of you. I knew you're a hard man. And I was really afraid of you. So I just dug a place in the earth and hid mine, okay? And of course, you know the end of that story. You wicked, evil, lazy servant was what was told him, okay? Now think about it with me for a moment. Let's go from the back end to the front end on this story. The guy that had the one, okay, he was given something. He said, this is, you, this is your ministry. This is what I'm giving you. I'm giving you this department. Giving you this area of ministry. Here it is, okay. The master comes back and he says, I didn't lose anything. You gave me one. How many did he return? One. He didn't lose anything, right? All he did was, all he did was maintain, Okay. Now, you would think at least the master would say, well, good buddy, you kind of maintained everything. Not exactly what I was expecting. That's all right. No, he said, you evil, wicked, lazy servant. Okay. Only because, why? Because he maintained. He didn't do anything. The other two, well done, good, and faithful servant. Here's the key. Here's the, here's the thing that revolutionized my thinking. I grew up in church. My dad was a pastor. I've been in church my whole life. And I always defined faithful as people who showed up. Right? I always define, it's my whole life was, oh, yeah, that's a really faithful brother. That's a faithful person. They always show up, you know. They, you know, they, they're there, okay. But I realized Jesus doesn't find, define faithfulness by showing up. Jesus defines faithfulness by growing up, okay, okay. It's a big difference, right, okay. He only said, well done, good and faithful to the two that said, I did something with what you gave me. And so if your pastor gives you a small group with five people in it and he comes back, you know, in six months or, or a year and says, hey, by the way, how's that, five, how's that small group going I gave you? Well, pastor, we're, we're good. We've been having a really good time, all five of us. We've been, it's been great, okay? What do you mean? You, you haven't raised up another leader out of that yet? You haven't grown the small group? You haven't done anything with it? What, what, what is that about? You maintain, but you didn't increase. And so a, a high-impact staff member, think about it in your own life. If you really started increasing, growing, rather than maintaining, what impact would it have upon your church would it be, and upon your city? Incredible, right? Uh, number, number 11, lift others to higher levels of living and serving. Make sure you're always taking people up with you. As you go up, don't go up by yourself. Take somebody else up with you. Right? If I've got a ministry that I'm responsible for, I need to have some people that I'm bringing up with me in ministry so that as I am I growing and learning, I've got them shadowing me and learning as well so that then I'm prepared to go into something else if I need to because I've got somebody in place that can move forward. And number 12, be a burden bearer not a, and a load carer. Don't create burdens. Don't create loads. Bear burdens. Lift loads. Number number 13, manage and lead yourself before you attempt to manage and lead other people. If you can't manage you, you can't manage anybody else. The toughest person I've ever led is me. Right? That's worth its own session. Number 14, two last points real quick. Always honor your platform. What I mean by that is when your pastor hired you, he put you on a platform. You may not be on the platform in the church, but he gave you a place of influence, right? When he put you in a, in, a, in a department, you now have some level of influence because the pastor or the church leadership said, this person is over this area. This person has responsibility for this area. With that, you now have been given a platform of influence. Never use that platform of influence to propel yourself. Okay? Yeah. Your platform is never meant to build you. Your platform is meant to build the church. Okay? Always use your platform to build the church. And the last one here, uh, very similar to the one I talked about a moment ago, make sure that you are multi you're a multiplying. Be a multiplier, okay? What I tell our team from time to time is when they will give me my go our goals, 
uh, I, would a- I will ask them this question. What if you added a zero to that? Oh, we're going to have 10 new small groups this year. Well, what, what if we added a zero? What would it then be? Would your strategy be different for growing 10 small groups as opposed to growing 100 small groups? Yeah, because you're, you're going to think scalably. You're going to think in a multiplication factor. And one of the amazing things about the book of Acts is it's, there was a time in the book of Acts where the Bible says the Lord added to the church daily those that would be, sa- be saved. You go down a few more chapters, and it says, and the numbers of disciples were multiplied. Okay, So what you want to move forward in as you grow in ministry is not just being an adder, but being a multiplier in the area of ministry that God's called you to. So those are 15 really quick things. I hope they'll be helpful to you. Again, those, the notes are available on that website. And I'd like to just take a few moments so we can, and uh, any questions you have or comments you'd like to make, and we'll try to field them and do the best job we can Slip with Slip up your hand, and we'll try to get to you. We'll start back here. You want me just to ask? Uh, we're doing on the mic. Oh, we're recording okay. everything, so. Yeah. Pastor, thank you so much. That was just beautiful. Um, real, real quick question. How do you manage ambition? How do you manage ambition, especially if you have somebody who's a high achiever, and but you you feel you start to feel like you might be the ends you know the means to an end uh-huh. like you're just going to be a ladder for them. Yep. And I know we're supposed to promote people and we want to you know go ahead and you know maybe plant them or start a campus with them. But how do you really manage those ambitions? Because I don't want people to get ran over. I want them too to lift up other people. Exactly. Well, yeah, it's a great question. There's 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 good ambition ambition and there's not good ambition. Okay. And so uh, and so we have to distinguish between the two and. The best thing to filter out ambition is to put people and test people in a situation where they have no accolades or no uh, no uh, upfront opportunities. Okay, behind the scenes ministry will always test a person's heart. Okay, if they can't do it, if you can't do it off the platform, you can't do it on the platform. Okay. Just can't, okay? You can't do it. So, and so you've got to be willing to, and then have those conversations. And a person who's really, sometimes people's ambition just needs to be, they just need to learn, okay? It's like, oh, I got it, okay. All right, now I'm going to learn what it means just to faithfully serve. And then, they, because if your heart's not right, what happens is you'll always, um, you'll always be serving for your own ambition as opposed to serving people, okay? So we're not trying to hold people back. We're just trying to make sure that the, the ends, your character is more important than your charisma, Okay, right? Your character is way more important than what gift you might have. And so we want to make sure we get your character right. And by the way, just as a quick, I'm not trying to sell books, but uh, I have a book called Living and Giving God's Dream. And really it goes through, it's it's what we use for all of our volunteers. And we take them through a a six-week lesson series on this. And it's right there in the book. You can, there's no, it's not related to our church. So any church could use it. You can get it on amazon.com and uh, Living and Giving God's Dream. And it addresses things like, you know, serving for the right reasons. So Put them in a place where uh, they're, they're going to be tested a bit. And uh, every man every man and woman of God in the Bible went through testing periods. Did they not? Yes. They were always in obscurity before they were in the public eye. Okay. That help? Yes. Uh, on number nine, you have add the extra to the ordinary. Yes. That's something that we're really trying to work through of like how to think through that. Do you have sure. some examples you can give for that? Uh, well, I'm sure I probably do. I'm just trying to think through what they might be. Anything, well, you know, just a simple illustration. You know, you can every church here has host, right? Okay. And uh, uh, people, they're at different places, you know, people coming in on the weekends. And the simple illustration is that somebody comes in, they're new to the church, they don't know where the children's ministry, you know, I've got my kids here and this is my first time. And uh, can you tell me where the children's ministry the host can say, oh, it's downstairs. Or the host can say, let me walk you there. Which was the better way to do it? Right? Okay. That's the extra to the ordinary. Okay. You didn't have to do that. But when you did it, it, you know, for example, I was getting ready to come here to, to the session today. and I was asking the person who knew my room uh, how to get here. She says, let me walk you there. Okay. She didn't have to walk me there. She had lots of things going on. And I finally said, no, I'll find it. It's fine. You don't need to do that. But the point being, the offer was there. So anytime you're doing something, ask, what would take it just to the next level? Okay. What would just take it a step above what you would, what you would normally expect? And that usually will give you some answer to it. Yeah. Anybody else? 
you just been really, really boring, or you got good information? I'm not sure. You so, yeah. they need that's right, exactly. So, uh, when you have volunteers uh, sign up for your department and then don't engage, don't perform, uh, that feeling of frustration, but uh, you need to confront without offending. Uh, can you give any insight or tips? Yes. Tricks? Well, maybe uh, I don't. I'm certainly not the know-all for this, but I'll give you kind of how I think about it. Okay, if you have a volunteer that's not performing, first thing that I do is I try to look at I, I, as a senior pastor. I try to step back for a moment and take a look at the the general sense of that happening in that ministry. If I have one person that's not performing and everybody else in the ministry is doing well, then it's usually related to that person, or that individual volunteer. But if there's something systemic, then I'm going to see it in a number of people. So the problem is not with the volunteers, it's with the leader, okay? So sometimes the problem is not with the volunteer. Sometimes the problem is with the leader, okay? So if you've got an ambitious leader who's running roughshod over people all the time, then, you know, you're going to have volunteers dropping out. They're going to be frustrated and irritated by being there. So you start at that level, sort of the 35,000-foot level. So, okay, then you just isolate. So now it's really this volunteer. And so... The conversation sometimes is because the volunteer has stuff going on in their life. Okay, you start out pastorally first. Okay, right. always start out pastorally. How can I help you? Anything? And it's been seems like you've been a little bit different recently. Anything going on in your life that we need to help you with? Start out pastorally, and then if if it's not that, then you maybe are, are you happy in this ministry? Is there some, another area that you might want to serve in? You know, so you give them another option, and then you also provide them the opportunity to to get off that service train. Okay, I tell our people at our church what you always want to make to do. Make sure you're doing in, in ministry, volunteer situations, to make sure that we have an easy on ramp for people to get on the highway of serving. Right, right. It needs to be easy. You don't have to. You, well, how can I serve? Well, if you'll be at our church for three years and you go through these classes, then we might let you serve. No, no, no. You can serve the second week here at our church, okay? Come on in. We'll find some place for you. We'll get some, you know, if nothing else, you can park cars. Right? We'll get you doing something right away, okay? So get on ramp, but also have exit ramps for people, okay? People not only, just think if you ever got on a highway, you thought there's never going to be an exit on this highway, okay? Right? How would that make you feel, right? Okay. So you make it easy for them to exit out. And then there are those times that they're discipleship situations where you do have to have a loving conversation with them, but that's only going to be as good as the person's willingness to respond to it, you know, but you always start pastorally first. Yeah. Good. Yes, ma'am. Let me get you on the microphone. Got about five or 10 more minutes. So anybody... Hi. To kind of build on that, we're a very small startup. Uh Uh-huh. How do you get people to volunteer in the first place? Good. I thank you for answering that, asking that question. Always give them a why. Don't give them a what and don't tell them you need them. Okay. Oh, we have a, I don't mean don't tell them you need them, but tell, don't, tell, don't talk about the need. Uh, we, we have a children's department. We really need some of you to, to join up and serve in the nursery. We really need you. Okay. Well, that's about the church. The church needs this. When you say, you have a, we have an opportunity here at our church to impact the next generation. When you have the opportunity, we have a wonderful opportunity in our nursery because we have these little babies that are coming in and someone needs to be caring for them while their parents can be in church and someone needs to be praying over them because there's a destiny for that baby's life. And when you and I are in that nursery, we have the opportunity of praying for them, praying God's blessings on them and sending them forth into the future with a blessing from God because they've been a part of our church. Anybody want to be a part of that? Are you hearing me? Okay. Which one made the most impact? Okay. So sometimes it's how we're communicating it. Okay. Do we really believe that ministry makes a difference? If we do, then we're going to communicate the vision, give them the why, the difference is going to happen. And then uh, what, what ha- they get, cont- always refuel the vision. We have at our church, I'm sure many of you do this, every weekend before anybody, any of the teams serve, we have the VIP moment, okay? The VIP moments, everybody gathers in little circles, and uh, the leader of that ministry, the first of all, they, they give them vision, okay? This is why we're doing what we're doing today, a host team. We're going to make a difference in somebody's life. When they come in today, we're going to smile at them in such a way they're going to be ready to hear God's Word. This is our mission today, and then here's some information you need to know, and then P, prayer. We're going to pray. So VIP, vision, we give vision. 
vision, information, and prayer. And so once we've done that, we've charged them every weekend with that sense of vision. You're a part of something bigger than yourself. And then you report back when you see something good happen in your ministry, you report back to those volunteers and you remind them what they had a part in doing, okay? You know what? By the way, that mother gave her life to Christ today while you were taking care of her baby. Aren't you so glad to be a part of something like that in the church? You with me? Okay. So you have that feedback loop and that feeds the vision in them, okay? Great question. Anybody else? Yeah, I can go for it. Yeah, kind of going on along the same thing as ambition. Uh, What's your, do you have a progressive scale? Say you have somebody who is showing a lot of depth. They have a lot of real leadership ability. Mm -hmm. And I know you said you're multi-site. So how do you move them? How do you move them up the pipeline? So do you go from like volunteer to lead volunteer to maybe a captain to a department head? Could you walk me through that structure and then some qualification marks along the way? Yeah, I mean, uh, really it depends. Like, you can have some people that really totally jump the scale. Okay, he's like, you know. So, we, I think there's there's generally some categories that we have, and they, they vary from different departments. Like our children's department, you'll come in and be a certain kind of volunteer, then a section leader, and then from being a section leader, you can be over a, a captain of certain sections and things of that nature. But generally speaking, when it comes to the higher levels, we we just we look at their faithfulness, their fruitfulness. Okay. Uh, their faithfulness and their fruitfulness. Put those two things together. How faithful have they been in the sense of growing things? Have they been fruitful as a part of things? Their spirit, do they catch the culture of our church? Do they understand the culture? And all this, especially when you're promoting people at a higher level, I think primary part of it comes out of relationship, okay? You gotta know that person You gotta to, to the best that you possibly can. People are gonna fool you at times, okay? As I've heard it said before, that sometimes you get people that seem like they're just amazing. They put them to bat, like a baseball analogy. You put them to bat, man, they hit the ball, and they're running around the bases, and they go around first base, and they're doing great. They go around second base. They're looking good. We're thinking, oh, this is going to be a home run. They start heading toward third and start heading out to left field. Okay, Like, whoa, what are you doing? Okay, it's like, and there are people that do that at times. You can't never, you can never predict. But uh, I think out of relationship, you can kind of sense the capacity of a person. And some people just jump all those things because of the capacity they have, okay? And some people get placed above their capacity, and you have to reassign them at different places at times. not pretty, not easy always to do, but you have to do it. Yeah. We're probably not as structured as maybe you're thinking there in the way we go about it, so. Right. Sorry, I'm a little short. No. Um, how do you handle volunteers who have their hands in quite a few ministries? How do you handle that organizational structure in order to impact your ministry yeah. to the best of its ability? Well, especially if you're a church plant, everybody's doing everything, right? Okay, and it's you know, so you just have to, yeah, church plant. We we did it. I mean, my wife and I started. We moved to a city and started our church two weeks after we moved to the city. Two weeks. Okay, that's called stupid. Okay. <laughs> Okay. But we did, we did, okay. And so, uh, you know, we were in the little the number of volunteers we got, we had to just, they were working like crazy, okay. And so, first of all, there's that season, okay. So, you have to remind people of the season. Look, guys, we're in this season. Thank You have to pour appreciation on them, okay. Value them greatly. Thank you for being a part. There's no, but we could not do this start without you. So, high, 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 high intensity appreciation when people are helping you with that process. And then give them hope for the future, Okay, uh, give them hope. This is not going to always be this way. One of our uh, our sites right now has been portable for quite a while, uh, and just very much like church plants are. And so I have to keep reminding that team of, we're going to get a building for you one day. I promise you, you're not going to be setting up at 6 a.m. all the time. And I don't know when it's going to happen. Can't promise anything, but we're going to we're working in that direction. It keeps giving them hope for their future. And so I think just the nourishment uh, and then the encouragement as well. If they're overworking themselves and there's opportunities, sometimes people can do it because they have. It's not because because there's not anybody else to do it. They won't let anybody else do it, okay? And so you got to help those people to let go and say, it's going to be healthier for you to uh, let's bring somebody else along. We've had leaders like that at times who wanted to keep on doing certain things. You had to kind of pry their hands away from things to say, this is going to be healthier for you if we get somebody else in here doing it. Yeah. Um, so, like for me, I'm a younger guy. Like I'm 22. I couldn't tell. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So, and I'm like our production team lead. Awesome. Um, and that means I deal sometimes with people who are like older than me. Yes. Um, like what would you advise or tips be on like trying to gain that trust or that respect from like those um, just older people, I guess, that you're working with? Be prepared. Be respectful. Be honoring, okay? 
And you know, you don't have to be the smartest, be a person that's learning from them, okay? Uh, but also be confident, okay? So it's that mixture together, being confident that you're going to lead. You don't need to shrink back, but also lean into them to let them know, I really want to hear from you, okay? Be punctual, be prepared. Those, I'm telling you, just the simple things of being punctual and prepared, that creates huge amounts of pluses for you. That alone, you know, if every time those people come to your team meetings, wow, that guy's really sharp. He's always here early. The room looks nice. He's always got his agenda plan for us. He's, he's, he, he's, he's really prepared for the meeting. He gets us in, gets us out quickly. Uh, he affirms us well. You do those kind of things well, and you'll earn the respect. Okay, remember this. Respect is, you can, you can get uh, a certain level of positional authority from your title, but you get respect and leadership by influence. Okay, so respect and leadership comes by influence. So you develop the capacity for them to trust you as a leader by the influence, yeah? And don't despise the day of, of your youth, okay? Yeah, the great, no, don't ever do, you know, don't despise it because, you know, uh, great things happen through young people who are leading, young, young adults, great, yeah. Yes, sir, right over here. Hey. Hi. Um, so my question is, I have, uh, at our church, us young people, I'm 25, so yep. all the people our age that are married are having kids right now. Yeah. Um, so it's super hard to keep a team. Yes, it because is. Because the focus is on growing family, their right? family. Of course, yeah. So my question is, how much attention should I put into the youth, because we're youth pastors, and how much should go into building a team as well, because you want to grow. Yes. And our church is is rapidly growing but it's, it's kind of growing inside the church, if that makes sense, just because families are coming in and, um, and younger families. Yeah, so sure. how, how does that all work? How do you balance that? What, what's that? <laughs> it, it's, that's a common problem. I haven't had that problem before, right? Okay. And it's, it, I think part of it is, is making sure that you uh, understand the seasons that Families are in, they're not going to always be in the same season, and so they're going to go through different seasons, and not making them feel guilty about that season, okay, you don't want to make, because they're going to get through that season, if you've made them feel guilty, they're likely not to come, we want to come back afterwards, okay, and so give them permission to have that season, uh, and, and I think also you need to find, be on, from the standpoint of recruiting people, okay, change your recruitment strategy, okay, instead of recruiting people that are potentially in that category, okay, Find some other people. You know, a lot of times, like for example, in youth ministry, a lot of times youth pastors don't understand that some of the greatest people in youth ministry are older people, okay? Getting some of the older generation and, and recruiting them. Would you be a part of youth ministry? And sometimes, well, young people don't want to be around me. Yes, they do. A lot of kids, they don't have any, they don't have any family. They don't have any parents or fathers, okay? And to get a you know, 50-year-old you know, person from the church into the youth, and they may not be the sharpest. They might look a little duddy. That's okay, all right? But that's not, that's not going to matter to the kids. What will matter is somebody there loves me, okay? One of, my, one of our most effective youth ministry, uh, volunteers in our youth ministry has been doing it. How long has Wes been doing youth ministry? 25 years? At least 25 years? He's 60-plus years old. The kids love him. They pack his house every Sunday night. He has to keep sending them away to other life groups because uh, they just like being around somebody that age that cares about them because families are breaking apart, and, and some, a lot of these kids don't have dads in their life, and so change your recruitment strategy. Maybe one more will be done. Is we have time for one more? No? Okay. Anybody else? Not good? We're good? Thank you for coming. I really appreciate you guys being a part of this. Hope you've gotten something that will be helpful to you. Yeah.